Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. That ominous ticking can only mean one thing. We're counting down the doomsday clock. Hi there, and welcome to Science Factual, the show that dives into the facts behind your favorite science fiction. I'm your host, Reese Hendrick, and for this episode, we're covering Doomsday Clock, the follow-up series to the Watchmen graphic novel as part of the second crossover installment we've done with the Obsessive Comic Disorder podcast and host Gene DeWeber. Last time we sat down and got into the Descender graphic novel, which is superb. Definitely go listen to episode 31 for a dive and discussion into that series. Oh, weird. This is episode 62. Gonna have to have Gene back on for episode 93, I guess. I'm always stoked to get to pick Gene's comic nerd brain, especially about Doomsday Clock, because this series is pretty rad and it has its tendrils in a lot of staples from the DC Universe. For more on the Watchmen graphic novel, listen to episode 17 of Science Factual with guest comedian Jake Silberman. That's out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But before we go any further, it is definitely time to issue out a spoiler alert, spoiler alert, because I'm going to start things off with a brief background into the series before the interview with Gene, which really is what the spoiler alert is for, because we get into a lot of themes and context with a fair amount of jumping around, so it helps to know about not only the Watchmen series, but the DC universe as a whole, loosely, <laughs> with a focus on the Batman and Superman realms of influence. Doomsday Clock is a 2017 to 2019 superhero comic book limited series published by DC Comics, written by Jeff Johns, with art by penciler Gary Frank and colorist Brad Anderson. The series concludes the story established by the New 52 and DC Rebirth and is a direct sequel to the graphic novel Watchmen by Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, and John Higgins. Doomsday Clock was revealed on May 14th, 2017 with a teaser image displaying the Superman logo in the 12 o'clock slot of the clock depicted in Watchmen with the series title in the bold typeface used for Watchmen, giving it a good visual continuity from one series to the next. Although then-DC co-publisher Dan Didio confirmed that Doomsday Clock is a sequel to Watchmen, Johns originally declined to characterize it as such, viewing it as a standalone story being quoted as saying, it is something else. It is Watchmen colliding with the DC Universe, which is a great way of putting it. Jeff Johns also explained that Doomsday Clock is a standalone story with no tie-in material. However, it will have an impact on the entire DC Universe. It will affect everything moving forward and everything that has come before. It will touch the thematic and literal essence of DC. Doomsday Clock is part of the DC Rebirth initiative, and it continues the narrative that was established with the 2016 one-shot DC Universe Rebirth special, the 2017 crossover event The Button, and other related stories, many of which Gene gets into in the upcoming interview. As previously mentioned, it is a follow-up to the 1986 miniseries Watchmen by Alan Moore, and it introduces that story's characters into the DC Universe alongside a few original characters created for the book. The story includes many characters, but has a particular focus on Superman and Dr. Manhattan. 
Jeff Johns felt like there was an interesting story to be told in DC Rebirth with Dr. Manhattan, and he thought there was an interesting dichotomy between Superman, an alien who embodies and is compassionate for humanity, and Dr. Manhattan, a human who has detached himself from humanity. This idea led to over six months of debate amongst the creative team about whether or not to intersect the Watchmen universe with the DC universe. He explained that Doomsday Clock was the most personal and most epic, utterly mind-bending project that he had ever worked on in his career. So, since there's no time like the present, here's my interview with Gene DeWeber from Obsessive Comic Disorder. Don't worry, we'll navigate a multiverse of facts after the interview, including another look at alternate universe theory for this week's Water Cooler Facts. Mm. <clears throat> mm -hmm. mm, the best that a tap can, can provide right there. Portland tap water is fantastic. Anybody who wants to put fluoride in Portland tap water should be arrested. <laughs> and also put in stocks, tarred and feathered, strung up by their heels, Mussolini style. Then forced to watch the uh, classic movie Geely. Mm. There is such a thing a as cruel and unusual. A clockwork orange style where like they're... Ah, uh, yeah. Eyes forced open. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah, Mal Malcolm McDowell's just like having <laughs> nightmares about it. Yeah, yeah. Malcolm McDowell's like he's having nightmares about the situation. Like yes. it's like a what's a, what's a movie where like there's a character that just keeps on um, seeing like visions of stuff happening somewhere else. Like what's a, you 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 know sci-fi? I feel like you would know. Yeah, I know a little bit about sci-fi. That's just true. A couple things. Yeah, one or two things. But not, I, I know, I would say um, as much about sci-fi as you know about comic books. Okay. You have encyclopedic knowledge of yeah. comic books. I wouldn't say that I have encyclopedic knowledge of science fiction just because of the copious amounts of weed and psychedelics that I consume. That's fair. But <laughs> I know a thing or two. It's probably why you host your podcast, Science Factual. It's true. Which, uh, this is a crossover episode between is. Science Factual and Obsessive Comic Disorder. That's what we're here to do, man. Yeah, so I'm Gene DeWeber, and you are Reese Hendrick. I am. Yeah. Hi. Hi. I'm Reese Hendrick. Hi, I'm Gene DeWeber. Hi, Gene. And this is a podcast. Oh, I thought you were going to, can I, why don't I say Science Factual and you say Obsessive Comic okay. Disorder at the same okay. time? Okay. Obsessive science Comic factual. Disorder. Oh. oh. What did you, what was yours again? Science, uh, I'm here to do science. I'm here to do excessive science comic, factual obsessive comic disorder. Got it. Yeah, well, this is a comic obsession disorder. Is that what it's called? Uh, is it is it factual uh, scenery? Is that what yes. you said? Yeah, factual scenery. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. It's it's the podcast about uh, long country drives. Yeah, yeah, and we're just uh, people. We're actually just, it's actually obsessive cosmic disorder. That's mm. everybody gets it confused. Okay. Yeah, it's actually just people obsessing over the uh, original Cosmos. With Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, not yeah. the newer one with Neil deGrasse Tyson. No. no. Just the Carl, the Carl Sagan, it's really a cult. Like, all they do is watch the movie Contact. Mm. Yeah. Just those Shout out Jodie Foster. Yeah. Contact was a, it was a, a great movie about what it's like to meet the father who abandoned you. <laughs> You know what else feels like an abandoned father? Doctor Manhattan, oh. after he left his original universe mm. to form a new version of the DC universe where Superman's parents die. 
Yeah, that was sad. Yeah, it was, it was very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the fact that he, he goes back and restores that timeline. <laughs> Jumping way ahead. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Times are, time is a construct anyway, but. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, deep cuts about the different, like, versions of the DC universe and the different timeline changes, for example, because they have the 1940s Superman, which was the classic where he has the car over him. And then they had the 1960s and the 1980s. And then the recent one, which was, I think, supposed to be him coming about in, like, the late 90s or, or early 2000s or something like that. Mm. Um, well, and then the 52 reboot. New 52, yeah. Yeah, New 52 kind of resets the whole yeah. thing. And it it is... Uh, originally, there was a lot of... they seem, It seemed like there was someone named uh, Pandora who might have caused this, but... Over time during Rebirth, which is what kind of brought about these teasers for the storyline, the they start showing like uh, Doctor Manhattan's hand, and he has like a clock with him, and they kept on doing these little hints here and there, and like essentially that something has been going on for a while where it's been manipulating the universes, basically, or the DC universe. Yeah, something has been. We find out that that thing is Doctor Manhattan. Oh, I thought it was Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Malcolm McDowell uh, is is a fantastic actor. He is. He's really good. Uh, from from what I've heard, a fantastic person. Mm. Um, I don't in know if sack. he quite had. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, the old in out. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. He, he seems. If you watch the Clockwork Orange, he's wearing pretty exposing clothes. You know. It's a cod piece. It's a cod piece. Yeah. Okay. Well, never mind. I, I, unless it's him, then it's a cock piece for it's sure. A, it's, uh, it's a yeah. hefty cane he's got working with that's right apparently Will- willem <clears throat> defoe has that's what i learned from, is that right that's what i learned from i can see him having uh, a swinger. clancy told me that I oh believe. clancy kramer yeah shout out clancy kramer yeah on their episode that they came uh, on go to studio one theaters every sunday world's hottest goss mike there studio one's a, a cool spot too like we, yeah. did, we did homecoming and prom there yeah, that was fun. Uh, that was fun. You're Don't gonna have to get a new suit for the one. next one. You're looking good, man. Thank you. Yeah, you I'm dropped like on. over forty pounds. No, thirty-eight. But I've well, also built. We can, we're gonna round to forty. Well, almost forty. By the plus, time this comes out, it's gonna be forty. Pounds. Yeah, it's gonna be forty pounds. But also, like, I've built an insane amount of muscle, mm. so there is a fluctuation where if I was just on a weight loss journey, I would be lower mm-hmm. because muscle weighs heavier than fat. I got just got booked for another show recently, and they nice. asked me for a headshot, and I was like, I don't like all the ones they have; they're just selfies. Mm. So what I did, you was didn't I, send them that emo one that I did of you that the emo hair swoop and the, oh, and yeah, the yeah, eyebrow yeah, ring, I, 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 I did, the I did, snake I, bites, I did, bro. I did not do that. I didn't look send the one where I look like the lead singer of Panic at the Disco. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you get some good taint shots too. You get, oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, uh, some around the worlds, some under under the bridge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 all over the place. Do a ring around the rosy. I did a full on uh, segment actually of me just humping the, the phone. Excellent. Yeah, it was great, and just back and forth, be like, "This is what you're gonna, your vagina's gonna see." Yeah, it's like, so it's like yeah. a POV, but like through her vagina. Point of vagina. Point of yeah. vagina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, it's you know, it'll definitely make you stand out and, and uh, stand in, if you know what I'm saying. And stand up. And stand up. Yeah. Comedy. Yes. Yeah, comedy, comedy, comedy. That's what we're attempting right now, That's folks. That's what, what is being attempted at this very second. Yes. Is stand-up comedy while we're sitting down. You on a couch, me on a cha- a desk chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, spe- it definitely uh, speaks to my lazy sensibilities. 
I, I do like yeah. how Sir Lance Edward, anytime he goes on stage, will either bring a bar stool with him or find something to sit on. <laughs> but it's the way that he delivers his material. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's funnier that way, if you ask me. Yeah, he's 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 very high energy, and mm-hmm. there's something funny about someone with high level energy sitting down, because it's mm-hmm. like you're just it's like it's like watching a uh, man. Was it the 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 dummies? You know, without the without like uh, you know what I'm talking about? Mannequins? Not mannequins. That's that's a like crash test dummies. No, no, no. Like the dummies that someone has up and they do the uh, you know the ventriloquist ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. So it's like having a ventriloquist dummy without the ventriloquist, you know, and sitting down. Because ventriloquist dummies always have high energy, you know. If you're Jeff Dunham, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, which I am, so, you know, that's my secret identity. <laughs> oh, tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been very fit, popular. With, you look good uh, for being in your early 50s. You know, I... Pretty sure that's that's where Jeff's at now. Just, something like that, yeah. yeah. I'm really popular with, uh, with moms that have given up on life and people who wear trucker hats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, I'm sure that's a Venn diagram that exists. <laughs> and and if you get a mom who's given up for her life that also was wearing a trucker hat, that is my type and I'll settle down. I'll finally settle down. Though this this guy this gene right here will be roped on and uh, off the market. As Jeff Dunham, I'm sure you could get a spot on the next blue collar comedy tour mm-hmm. reunion. Yeah. And fulfill that that desire. I, you know what? Because I don't think that they have that category on Tinder. They exist. You just really gotta, just gotta look. You, you gotta know. be in the right multiverse. You gotta be in the right multiverse. You need to be, you know, possibly the DC universe. Yeah. So uh, that that's a question that I've been meaning to to ask, like a point of clarification, because you know, like I believe I understand what's going on with the whole multiverse thing, but like, yeah. is the Metropolis universe different from the Gotham universe? Different from the DC universe as a whole different for you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so they're all cities that exist in the, in the, okay. in the DC universe because some of the like, you know, I, I like to look up things about like, you know, different yeah. analyses and things like that. And I saw this constant reference to the Gotham universe. It was confusing insofar as like I thought it was all existent with like if you were to look at, yeah. at a map of the DC universe, yeah, you would see all of these cities. Yeah, you'd see Gotham, you'd see Metropolis, you see Coast City, New York. New York is still yeah. Yeah, New York all the is still, yeah. all the main all. It's interesting because the DC universe has all the other places that exist in the real world, but there's these extra cities that exist. Like Coast City is is like right outside of LA, in like between LA and uh, San Diego or something like that. So it's like somewhere in the middling city. Okay, I found that out recently reading. Uh, Jeff Johns, which is the same writer as this, uh, his run on Green Lantern, which I've been reading recently. Yeah, it, that's what he's most known for, right? I would say. This is his Green Lantern run? Yeah. That's probably his more pro- most prolific because he did it for seven years. And The Flash, too, right? Yeah. He, yeah. He, didn't, he did The Flash for quite a while, too. He started with Wally West, which mm-hmm. is a s- sort of part of this. Um, he's more part of the prelude stuff that. Uh, uh, so many people are a part of this. The story touches so many different th- like you sent me, which thank you by the way, yeah. like all like read comics for free online or whatever the link is. What is it again? I, I don't want to say because I I don't know how legal it is. 
<laughs> Tight. Well, you yeah. could. That makes it even cooler. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can find comics to read for free online through yeah. various means. Yes. And you sent me two other comics that you felt were necessary to read to at least provide some sort of backstory. Because, like, of course, I know who yeah. Superman yeah. and Batman are mm-hmm. and their respective bad guys and you know cohorts yeah whether it be the justice league justice society of america mm-hmm. you know what have you and then which quick aside like what was super cool to me was the whole lex core wayne enterprises yeah backstory that was super cool so that, like i guess what i'm getting at is like there, there's a lot of context yes when it comes to doomsday clock there is there and one of my favorite narrative structures and it was it's also part of the original is the constant time shifting that mm. Dr. Manhattan does. He doesn't even show up until about halfway through this miniseries, by the way. he's There's a flashback with him in it with the, the uh, mime and I forgot what the other... Marionette. Marionette, yeah. Which are new characters to this, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. But, I but love the mime, too. So unhinged. He's great. Yeah. Great yeah. character. The, their interaction with the Joker was a lot of fun, too. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. That whole villains meeting with the mm-hmm. Riddler and all that, yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a fun sequence as well. A lot of great ins yeah. and asides, you know, within and much like the original Watchmen, all of those extra pieces, which I wish that like I, I may I already have Saga that I, I need to get back to yeah. you, yeah. which I'm plotting my way through because yeah. she'd be thick. Well, that's because I brought the compendium to you. That's yes. Just, yeah. Yeah. Which is the first half of the series that just recently started back up again. Which you can murder somebody with. Oh, yeah. Like phone book style. Also, speaking of second half of things, I saw that you had Ascender come yes. through. Yeah. Uh, which is the sequel to Descender, which yes. we covered on our first crossover. Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah. And Ascender so. is about halfway through right now. It's really good. Is it still uh, Nguyen? Yeah, same team. Still Nguyen, uh, Nguyen, it's still Lemire. Yeah, it's the same team. It's just, uh, it takes place 20 years later. No, not even, yeah, I think, I don't even know if it's 20 years later. It's like 10 years later, I think. Because mm. they there's the daughter of two of the main, two of the characters, uh, Dusty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dusty, and then uh, I forgot her name, but she was like the... Yeah, not e- Is it Evie? I think it's Evie. Yeah. Yeah. He calls her that, but she wants to be called Robo Queen or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Living in Portland, I get that Cyber all the time. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm going to call you Courtney, but she wants to be called Giant Monkey Tits Banana Pants, you know? Mm. And I don't, I, you know, it just didn't work out for me because of that. Not not that she goes to me, because that totally didn't happen. So you, oh, right. <laughs> yes, of course. So it was, you know, if somebody wanted to be called Giant Monkey Tits Banana Pants, <clears throat> I'd probably call them that, actually. I would look them in the eye every time and address them as such. Yeah. Very, very stately, too. Like, mm. Yeah, just working and be like, you know, giant monkey tits, banana pants. It's funny you mentioned that because, <laughs> you know, if, if you look at the economics. I love you, giant tits, monkey pants, banana monkey pants. I thought it was giant monkey tits, banana pants. I love you, giant <laughs> monkey tits, banana pants. You, you complete me. Mm. Really, truly, I'm so glad I married you 20 years ago mm. on your birthday, which was uh, Friday the 13th. For some reason, it, it falls on that every year. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Easter. Her birthday changes depending on what is a Friday the 13th. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just describing the perfect woman to you for me, by the way. Yeah. What do, a, let's. All right. Let's really get into it. What yeah. does. 
giant monkey tits banana pants look like and what was it that drew you to her initially was it the giant monkey tits or was it the banana pants i mean the banana pants were great Mm -hmm. but the giant monkey tits you know were it really just it it completed the package was it pants that had a banana pattern on it or were it two large bananas that were conjoined somehow to make the legs of pants yes okay yes okay Yes. So Doomsday Clock. <laughs> Doomsday Clock. <laughs> um, yeah, I I really enjoy this. I I do like the parallels between the original and this one. They both of them involve Russia. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Putin is featured is in featured it. In yeah, this. that's true. Very very detailed, and it's unmistakably Vladimir Putin. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I I like that you could go from reading Watchmen to reading Doomsday Clock without any sort of lack of like like you can transition to it yeah. so well yeah very quickly uh, the visual arts like dave gibbons versus gary frank like yeah. i mean like it is seamless yeah it's very which is fantastic it's definitely the writing too yes you know like i feel like jeff parks and alan moore had to have conferred on this in portland this is jeff johns Jeff Johns, <laughs> shout out Jeff Parks, who's also a super yeah. comic book nerd. Yeah, he uh, did an episode uh, about Swamp Thing with me. The Alan nice, Moore that is his favorite. Yes, next to Sandman. Yes, next to Sandman. Yeah, I, uh, we did pa- we covered Paper Girls. Oh, that's a good series. It is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cliff Chang's art is amazing. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, very visually striking, poppy, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it, I'm sure it was intentional to have continuity in design. Yes. Right. But it is, I mean, you you could have told me that it was the original team and I would have believed you. As far as the... DC? As far as, do, yeah, oh, do, Doomsday. Oh, as far, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. From, moving on from Watchmen, yeah. Yeah, because uh, the artwork is very, Gary Frank's artwork, especially the way he does it, is very similar. The biggest change is obviously modern day coloration. Mm. It's probably the biggest thing that's like blaring. Um, yeah. Because this ran to late 2017 through tw- like late 2019, whereas the original yeah. was from was from the mid 80s, right? Yeah, it yeah, was 84, 84 no, 86, 85 to 86, I think, something like that. Yeah, because yeah. it was 12 issues, which pro- which depending if it was a bi monthly, I believe it was monthly. I was talking about this concept with Thomas Lundy about yeah. how he appreciates a series that is anywhere between 12 and 20. Yeah. You know, like, so it, because it, you can tell that the author has a specific story arc in mind. Yeah. And is going to use that range to tell that story. So, like, it's so captivating. Like, I found myself stopping work early mm-hmm. to finish reading the series because I was nice. like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And now I can't stop thinking about all of the other things that I need to read in conjunction with this. I can't stop thinking so. about giant monkey tits, banana pants. <laughs> just she's a baddie the one that got away i know well so what were the other two uh comics that you sent me because one was batman and one was superman yes oh so no uh one of them that i was going to say is was dc rebirth number one Mm -hmm. which was the same team as this actually and the big story plot of that is that wally west who had not appeared at all during the new 52 comes through the timeline through the speed force and he reveals to Barry Allen, who had lost his memory up to before, before the New 52. And then he, all of a sudden he starts remembering Flashpoint. He remembers 
uh, the pre-New 52 years, all the way back to bef- – because the one thing I will say about the DC universe is that no matter – with it does all the other characters will, like, reboot. But for some reason or another, more often than not, the Flash character, whoever it is, remembers the previous timeline usually. Especially, like Barry Allen, for example, disappeared during Crisis on Infinite Earths and didn't reappear until, like, 15 years later or something like that. In, huh. uh, from I wonder Flash what that's rebirth. about. I think it's just like a, a connective tissue because it's always – all every reboot doesn't fully reboot the universes. There's always some remnants of what happened before. Okay. Yeah. Including the new 52 because I thought that was a complete and total reset. It was supposed to be, but because Grant Morrison was working on Batman and Jeff Johns was still not finished with his uh, run on Green Lantern, essentially those two books – we're still referencing the previous timeline. The biggest difference is all of a sudden everybody looks younger because the new, during the new 52, the big thing was like the DC universe has only been around for five years, or at least the version of like the, like Batman's been around for five years. Uh, Superman has been actively appearing for the last five years. He's kind of like under the behind the scenes done stuff. And of course been in like Smallville and stuff like that, but he wasn't Superboy in this universe, you know, which is a big part of the story too. Um, so, it, but if you look at it, the same way where the modern universe, which appeared after uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, had Wally West instead of Barry Allen as the first, or not being the first Flash, but essentially like referencing that the other Flash was there, but he's the main Flash at that point. And they also have, for example, uh, at the time, during after Crisis on Infinite Earths, Jason Todd was there, and it wasn't uh, Dick Grayson. Like, so they had things, but essentially like, the previous timeline and a lot of things that had happened no longer existed, but there was still kind of reference to all the things that had happened before still probably happened just in a different way. Mm. So like, yeah, it was, it was, it's always been weird. DC's never fully 100% rebooted. They just, they're just like, now it's different and it's shorter. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's convenient. Well, that makes it convenient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, and my head is always spinning with like thinking back on doomsday clock yeah how it relates to watchmen how Mm -hmm. it relates to other story arcs and why that interconnectivity is important yeah one thing that i think is very interesting was this book came out later than it was supposed to Mm. because of a bunch of delays i think you originally you said 2017 i think it actually came out 2018 or 2019 but it it got delayed a bunch and so the DC universe essentially surpassed where that was supposed to take place. So like they referenced 5G, which never actually happened. <laughs> like it was supposed to happen. And then I think instead they did um, something called future state. And so there's some things that are like set up in here that never actually come to fruition. Or if they do, they just, they're going to have to figure it out later. Essentially. How to incorporate it. How to incorporate it. it. Yeah. Like, well, hmm, yeah. well uh, maybe we can do a 5G reference yeah, here. Right? Yeah, because yeah. like at one point, well, for example, uh, big spoiler alert for the DC Universe for the last four to six years now at this point, but uh, Alfred Pennyworth is, was murdered by Bane, and he hasn't come back to life except for at one point he was like a zombie or something like that. Mm. But, but he's, has, he's been dead. He's been actually dead. Uh, he, he was during this story called City of Bane where Bane was trying to mess with Batman's head again, and he killed Alfred. This story has Alfred still alive. He's still right. there. Bane is wanted by the FBI, and that's why he doesn't make that 
yeah meeting i was yeah. like what does he care like what <laughs> all of you are wanted by the fbi yeah. i just i just like i i thought that was such an arbitrary point to make yeah anyway maybe they can tie in why he was yeah missing from that in any future oh i'm sure i'm sure there's already some place where it, it makes of sense because they they do have those editorial mandates where like you can't use this character speaking of side stories and stuff and mm -hmm. like continuation stories i'm curious if any of the other foreign super teams oh especially like, are gonna get any like especially the russian teams yeah um the red something I, brigade I, yeah i can't remember now red squad brigade we'll I, go with that i didn't know as many um, of those characters but i like that australia Mm -hmm. got a super team for some reason <laughs> it's just like all weird kangaroos like boy this one's got three pouches <laughs> and they keep on comparing their knife sizes it's not yeah. a knife yeah this is a knife in fact a lot of crime ends up going by because they're too much into comparing knife sizes to actually prevent crime from being stopped well they don't have any mass shootings anymore since they got rid of all their automatic weapons and their mid-90s so they gotta do something they gotta yeah they, they gotta got pass it. the time somehow Austria, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's 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 cultural. That's cultural accuracy right there. Mm. At its finest, really, if you ask me. True, real ambassador over here <laughs> to the world. Yes, I. Uh, some might call me a scholar. I don't think so. Some could. A comic book scholar. A comic for sure. Comic yeah. book scholar, guru, what have you. Yeah, I could. Do Do you have like favorite comic book stores in Portland? I know that we we've met up at Cloud Nine, which yeah. is a cool spot over by the Clinton Street Theater. I would say currently my favorite location is Cosmic Monkey Comics. I do like Excalibur Comics as well. Oh yeah, of course, um, yeah, definitely. But Cosmic Monkey, where's that? Cosmic Monkey? Yeah. It's over off of Sandy Boulevard. I can't remember what the cross street is. Huh. So one of the things. Um, that happened recently was dc changed how their distribution works or something okay and excalibur is still working out the kinks of it where cosmic monkey has actually has all the modern dc stuff and all that kind of thing i see um so nothing against excalibur but they've for sure um and they've been around way longer than cosmic monkey they're one of the original uh comic shops in portland so yeah great place and they have a huge selection and if you're trying to find something that might be a little more rare that's a good place to go honestly because they buy comics from people and some people you know don't vet out oh this might be worth like a bunch of money on ebay they just they're like hey i need a couple bucks let me go over to sell over there you know did you ever get over to things from another world i have been there uh it is no longer I there are two other locations that are okay. Still, well, the one on Broadway is yeah. no longer. There's still the one over in Cedar Hills in Beaverton. And okay. There's the one over in the original location, which is in Milwaukee, is still there. Speaking of Milwaukee, there's also uh, Dark Horse Comics. Yeah, that's right actually there. right across the street. Yeah, from. that's right. Yeah. Kind of kind of cool that it's like tucked away there downtown Milwaukee. Yeah, that, it's just there. Double hitter. Yeah. <laughs> there's some great comics from Dark Horse, honestly. Uh, yeah. The I forget her name, but the person who was in charge of vertigo through dc all the adult uh oriented comics specifically like anything from the later issues of swamp things sandman the invisibles why the last man uh the unwritten fables like all these really prominent popular series were all through vertigo and it was all correlated up until the till 2013 when it in that line ended 
by I forgot her name, but she has now a line through Dark Horse that actually now is a bunch of the you know adult kind of oriented comics. Huh. But they have like her her seal of approval on it essentially. That's pretty rad. Yeah, I do like adult comics. Uh, big fan of heavy metal. Yeah, uh, both the the magazine and the movie. Fil- the movie. Yeah, of yeah. course. That's what I I picked up a an issue when we met up at Cloud Nine. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I remember yeah, that the other week. Yeah. No, it's uh, love a great set of eighties style boobs. Mm. You know, a little more natural. Yeah. Yeah, a real set of Hasselhoffs. Not not a not like the '90s style booze where everything looked like it was fake, you know, like they were. Yeah, in the '80s, plants. you you knew they were fake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for America. America. Fuck yeah. So Doomsday Clock. Yeah, Doomsday Clock. So you you have I I want to borrow these uh, hardcover copies you have because absolutely when you're watching it or when you're reading it online, they didn't have all the in betweens. So when you oh. have when you have the complete edition, it has all the newspaper clippings and stuff yes. like that, and like so I, I'm missing that little bit of context. Um, that is important because there's a lot of stuff about the Superman theory, for example, right? Which is uh, the theory that after Superman came about, the U.S. government started um, creating superheroes and villains. Yeah. Uh, so and making it look like they were accidents. Like the biggest one is Firestorm, which is. Ronnie something and Dr. Stein, which if you've ever watched the Flash TV series, they're in there. They're a big part of that. But the idea is that um, the doctor had actually been working with the government. And he was essentially grooming him to be a superhero without the guy knowing it, which is pretty interesting. And there's a lot of other characters that are like, yeah, I'm not I was I wasn't, you know, uh, created by the government. But it's literally it's like it's like psyops, basically. Yeah, would they have known one way yeah. or the other that they were what they would have thought as an accident was otherwise exactly. directed by God? What is what is his name again? The one who's behind the Superman theory, Doctor Stein. Doctor Stein. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So he's the one who is in the end associated with pursuing the MK Ultra style superhero. Superman theory. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because it, it creates an imaginary superhero gap mm-hmm. that other countries then fill. Yes. Yeah. Which just exacerbates the whole thing. Also, I, I found it was very interesting, like when Doctor Manhattan removes all nuclear weapons. Yeah, from the other universe. Yes, the one that he restores the timeline with Clark's parents. Yeah, and Lex Luthor uses that machine to send Edward Blake back to the moment of his death. Yeah, which was a cool. Yeah, it was cool. like Manhattan comes in and swoops him before he hits the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that to me was a little weird. Okay. Because when Dr. Manhattan mm-hmm. this is this is when he restores the previous timelines. Yes, but yeah. I'm going a little bit back to Watchmen. Where, yeah. Like when he f- is surprised to find out that it's Veet. Mhm doesn't mesh with him going back and saving Edward Blake for these purposes. Yeah. So there were a couple of discontinuities that didn't like really sit right with me. I I get it. We're talking multiverses. We're talking going throughout time. We're also talking about a comic book. For sure. And there's, so, you know, it's like, you know, yes, you have to take, you have to have a little bit of wiggle room or creative licensing. 
mm-hmm. or just like going with it. Yes. Yeah. And well, the thing is, is that it's also the concept of Dr. Well, because Dr. Hannah is considered to be, he's like a God. But the right. idea is, is that that he, confrontation on Mars, dude. Yeah. Crazy. It was crazy. Uh, but the the whole thing of him with Dr. Manhattan is he experiences he, everything feels like it's happening to him all at once, but he still mm. he still moves in a sort of linear way. He might go back to different times, but there's still a what happened before and what happened after. He it's just when he's going forward, he now remembers the past as if it's like now. He's a real Schrodinger's character in that respect. Yeah, he exists in every state. Yeah. But when he focuses himself on one, like he is bound, I guess, by the parameters of yeah. the universe he's operating within, even though he does have godlike powers. Yes. Which, when he gives his life energy to the planet mm-hmm. and his powers to Clark, which is the son of Mime and Marionette. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Yeah. The, the last scene you went see yeah. right there. I would love to see how that kid grows up. So supposedly they're right now hinting at some more Watchmen related stuff in the DC universe right now. Okay. So there could be an actual follow-up to that. I would hope, I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely ripe for you know continuation. Yeah. If they can continue Rorschach's story, which I really liked how they did that. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want, do you want to spoil that part on here or do you want people to figure that out? Cause I feel like that's a really good, that's it's, a, it's good enough to want to not spoil exactly that's yeah. what i was thinking too like i feel like that's one of those things that like when i found out i was like aha yeah that's really cool yes so, yeah let's let's keep that everything else the the other stuff we spoil like like things that <laughs> yeah you'll yeah. you'll come to yeah. realize that but like it is the first two issues i would yeah. say is is important to not really get too into because of the transitions from Watchmen to this so yes. you can feel the style continuation i really encourage people to read doomsday right after yes like it it is very much worth it in that respect to be like okay tight now it's what 92 yeah when it takes so 17 years later Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it is so brilliantly done in that respect because it touches the contemporary issues at the time and Mm -hmm. how it would have exacerbated from the context of the aftermath of the uh, attack on New York. Yes. The alien the, attack on New York. The pretend alien squid. Pretend, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, uh, shout out uh, Bartibus, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a cool cat. It is a cool cat. And I think that's an, Bartibus, right? Bartibus. I think that's about, that sounds yeah. about right. Bartibus. A little sphinx looking. Yeah, he's dude. got. He, well, he looks kind of like um, a. What is those cats that have the long uh, ears? Servals? No, lynx. Lynx? Uh, like lynx. He mm. looks like a lynx. Yes. Yeah. yeah, sure does. Yeah. Aw. Aw. Cute. Cute, cute, but terrifying at the same time. <laughs> yes. Was cool to see Veet get the shit kicked out of. So that's something you missed out on with the mid- in between he is they actually have the cloning process. Like he talks, they have the notes from the cloning process. Oh. Of that of the second the second one and had like all the stuff he had to go through and to recreate from because the original one was in, essentially Departicalized, <laughs> right? Just like completely disappeared, and because of Doctor Manhattan killed it, basically. right? Yeah, yeah. At, at, in in Antarctica. Yes. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, uh, to, no, they're a lot no, older they're, than yeah. the second one a year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah. and and there have been spoiler alerts given. So yeah. 
but if you're i mean if you're super into the series mm-hmm. uh, you could read it multiple times and still gleam new information from it absolutely you know? do you think that doomsday clock is going to get a television treatment I don't think so. It could. Um, it could. It could. They it definitely absolutely could. could. They absolutely could. Um, I think that we have a well. First of all, the first the series that came out on HBO is an alternate timeline because it has to be because of how everything goes about. Essentially, um, there was actually original graphic novel that I want to read call from Tom King called um Rorschach. It's just called Rorschach. Yeah, I want to read that too. And that takes place in that timeline mm. from the show. So there is there's the one that Dr. Manhattan goes to the DC universe and then there's the show timeline, which is pretty vastly different. Would you consider the Watchmen universe different from the DC universe? Yes. So yeah. oh so my favorite I want to I want to point something out here. So maybe Watchmen, maybe that's what they were talking about more so in the article I was referencing earlier when I had the yeah. question about like what do they mean by these different universes because I thought they yeah. got in Metropolis and they all exist within the same Yeah. Steez. Yeah. Um that could be. Uh so the thing that I really liked though. So I don't know if you know this about Watchmen if you guys address this at all, but they were the Watchmen was initially supposed to be Alan Moore was hired to bring in the characters from Charleston comics. Yeah. So that was the, and they actually show them in, in one of the panels, you see all of them and you can, you can see that they're the, what characters they were supposed to be. So, because like, uh, the, uh, night owl was supposed to be blue beetle. Uh, Rorschach was supposed to be the, uh, question. Um, a pretty big one, actually. Uh, the comedian is actually peacemaker. Which they recently had a show about that. Yeah, they did. Um, um, which is fun. I'd highly recommend it. Same. Yeah. Did an episode on it with Adam Posse. Oh, that sounds like um, I yeah. Did, yeah. He was a fun guest of mine, too. We yeah. Did, what, uh, what did you guys talk about again? We did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. Sick. That's what I did with Juan Denmark. Oh, nice. The, my favorite, two favorite parts about the podcast are the recording, which is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past when you're listening to this, but right now for us. And the releasing of the podcast. Mm. Those are my favorite too. The editing part, not as fun because you, you know, you got to make if there's too long of a pause for me, especially if there's too long of a pause or a flub, there's definitely, I could probably go back and release like bloopers from episodes where I just took some stuff out or whatever. The takes were too hot. The takes were just too hot, too, too, too sexy, really, Mm. honestly. Mm -hmm. I, very steamy, very steamy. Would you say that Dr. Manhattan is the only person really capable, or I don't, I don't want to say person, entity capable of defeating Superman outright? Aside, well, technically, uh, Doomsday ah. is able to do it because Doomsday, every time he dies, comes back with a uh, I always memory. forget about Doomsday. Yeah, because he killed Superman at one point, or at least temporarily. The thing about Doomsday that's scary is that he learns from the way he died the last time. That's tight. Yeah. So he became he could he'll like be more durable to certain things or he'll learn he'll just he's like he's very much like Taskmaster mm. from the Marvel universe mm-hmm. who has who's able to learn fight moves and all this other stuff, but like to an nth degree, which is just insane, you know. So aside from Doomsday, mm-hmm. then Doctor Manhattan is like the only probably thing that can take on Unless Superman is in a red sun. Okay. Yeah. 
because when he's right. in anywhere with the red sun, he no longer has powers. And so he could be very easily killed in that, in that kind of state. Yeah. That's yeah. why he needs our yellow sun. Yeah. 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 I prefer pink suns. Okay. Yeah. I, I prefer Capri suns. Mm. Cause that should be delicious. That's sh- that shit is delicious. I prefer seeing the sons of anarchy. Cause it was a, I've never actually watched that show, but I've heard it's really good. It is. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's, it's Hamlet with motorcycles. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Superman or Batman? I'm a Batman guy. Okay. I'm a huge I Batman can tell guy. you have a massive collection of Batman shit yeah. here and a huge Catwoman compendium or omnibus rather. Specifically because of the two, the writer and the artist on that are both amazing. Uh, Darwin, shout out to Darwin Cook who passed away 2016, I believe. He is, he was amazing. He did DC, the new frontier, which is a great, if you want to read a very good self-contained story that it feels like it's actually the original DC universe aging in real time. It's a great story for that. Um, I do like that concept. Yeah. yeah. Cause you have the different generations of Batman and everything else, but it's also like he's getting older and then so like you have in the forties, he's like the scary Batman. And then all of a sudden the fifties come about and he has Robin and they start, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. Um, and it's also a Hal Jordan storyline, very focused on Hal Jordan, which is fun because it starts with him being a kid. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. But Darwin Cook and then Ed Brubaker, which is a, gr- a fantastic writer for crime comics specifically. Okay. Like, uh, I would highly recommend the Criminal series. Right now he's working on a series. So he prim- a lot of times works with a guy named Sean Phillips, which is a very talented British uh, um, artist who started early on and stuff like Constantine and some other stuff, but he's sort of slowly developed his own style and Gary Frank's British too, right? I believe so. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of that, honestly, a lot of artists from other countries, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. That it's not, that it, that it, it's not like at one time where everybody, it was very limited on who you could work with. You know, the internet especially has helped, uh, like people oh i'd imagine so yeah yeah that's what it's like meant for that's yeah. that's like a good thing that the internet has done for society yeah. <laughs> versus uh everything else everything else yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so brubaker yeah he also did that captain america run that introduced the winter soldier and some other stuff but do yeah. a lot of writers and artists stay in a particular house or do they do a lot of cross like not crossover in i know you having, i know what you mean you know, but do they go from one universe to another it really depends because Dustin Wynn, uh, up until um, Descender, hadn't done anything outside of DC. So that was his first, like, image. Yeah, and, image, yeah. And that's uh, creator-owned stuff. Um, but there, it just depends on who it is. Uh, like, Tom Taylor has never – he's written for Marvel and DC, but he's never really done his own stuff. He okay. did, like, one thing a long time ago, but he's really well-known for doing these, like, fun reinterpretations of characters – um, and he's also done a lot of Elseworld stuff, but well, any, anything for instance, anything that I've read by Alan Moore has been DC. Has, has he worked for other? Yeah, uh, major. He, well, he did. Um, well, it it wasn't released through Marvel until later. But that Miracle Man is Alan Moore, even though oh yeah, it just that. says original writer because Alan Moore has gone crazy uh, recently. And doesn't like his name on things for some reason. Um, hey. Also, I think there was an issue with the rights, but Alan Moore, uh, he did, I, I'm, 
I I want to say he's done a couple of things for Marvel, but he's primarily a DC guy. Um, and he's done, he had his own like creator own stuff later on. But ooh, I want to read that Black Bolt. Oh yeah, that one's really good. That I is, bet. it's a really good sort of. Uh, well, so Black Bolt he wakes up in this prison where he doesn't have his powers, so he's actually able to talk. Huh. Which is interesting because normally, if he speaks, yeah, the universe crushes. Right. Um, and he's there with like the absorbing man. He's like, it's a prison where someone's capturing people with superpowers, and like, it's it's very good. It's also a limited series, so you don't need to read anything before or after, which is nice. Scarlet Witch's kill of Black Bolt <laughs> in, um, yeah, uh, the second Doctor Strange, pretty badass. Yeah. Although takes away his easily mouth. easily preventable from Reed Richards just not saying anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was, that was a, it was also a cool cameo by uh, Professor X. Yep. And I'm stoked for the Wolverine Deadpool. Yes. Is that coming out this year or next year? Next year. Yeah. Which I really enjoy what they're doing. So they said it's going to tie into. Uh, did you did you watch Loki? Yeah. So you remember the TVA? Yeah, oh yeah. So the Time Bureau. Um, if you think about it, Deadpool 2 ends with him getting a time travel machine. And so they're going to tie in that storyline and different timelines into that. And they're also going to... The TVA is such a great medium to yeah. tie in so many loose potential ends that yes. would like kind of make Amalgamated a cool-ass story. I'm also excited that they're talking to Giancarlo Esposito to play as professor x do you know who that is uh, not off the top of my head he play. he was on he played gus freak in uh breaking bad oh yeah the guy who's in charge of the chicken yeah 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 he was moff uh gideon yeah 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 he's they're talking to him as being professor x in the mcu tight which he's a great actor and fantastic actor he, yeah he, he i think he'll be a good choice i'll be sad when patrick stewart dies I will too. It's gonna be soon, probably. Yeah. Andy and McKellen. Yeah. I hope they go in each other's arms. I I like that idea. I like that for them. I like that for them too. Yeah. Just 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 loving embrace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sad. <laughs> Doomsday clock. Doomsday uh, <laughs> clock. Doomsday clock. What are some specific points that you want to? Because we're definitely like kind of touching on random different parts or so, but are there specifically certain areas of the story that you would like to kind of point out more so that really stood out to you? We've kind of gone since I've only since I've only read it once. I yeah. have what I would like to call a rudimentary yeah understanding of it because I feel like I need more context. So I'm going to. I could give you some recommendations for certain stories, but it would be a lot of homework yeah. for this to make more sense. I think just a basic reread mm -hmm. is certainly in order. Yeah. I, I'm, the, I'm the kind of person who needs to re-watch and reread things. That's in, fair. I feel, like I, need to, I feel like I need to reread this too because it has – Gary Frank, one thing mentioning the, the, the transition between artists, he uses the same uh, nine-panel structure that – Dave Gibbons, and honestly, more often, Alan Moore himself just puts into his writing. Dave Gibbons just kind of followed his his scripts, which the thing about Alan Moore um, is his scripts are insanely large. He will have 
a 90 page script for a 20 page page issue yeah there is a lot of dialogue involved there sure is well it's, but... it's dialogue and it's also just descriptions that he puts oh sure yeah, yeah. and it, it's it's interesting to mention that because it does read like a movie yeah when you're reading it, it I, I kind of forget that i'm reading a paneled comic sometimes yeah 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 because it, it's the flow is very well done the it's uh, incredibly well done and just the way the structure and the storytelling and that's that's what a good comic does is that it does enough where the flow is so good that you just almost you almost feel like you're watching an animated movie or something like that yeah absolutely i i love how descriptive faces are yeah in close-ups i i love that style of art mm-hmm uh, the uh, the Gary Frank does with this because you can see his unique style, especially with like shadowing and shading. Yeah, Batman's kind of a dick putting Rorschach in a sil- in Arkham. That's a very Batman thing to do, though. It was, yeah. yeah no, was he was very... going by the book on that one. Yeah, like you said, it was cool to see Alfred alive. It was cool to see Alfred alive. It was yeah. interesting his his because he gets to kick ass a little bit in this. Yeah, yeah, it does. Sure does. Yeah, yeah I still got it. Because he's, you know, he's an ex-royal, uh, part of the Royal Navy. Right. For, uh, he was a, like, MI6, I believe, partially. Yeah, because he was, like, World War One, like, over yeah. there, over <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, he's um one, one of those uh, trench yeah. fighting, brawling fellas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh. But also very tactical. We would do poorly in World War One. Oh, yeah. Me, oh, yeah. because I'm too tall, I'd just be walking through the trenches and just get sniped. I gotta say, though, me now, definitely better in World War One than me in August. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely, like, I was looking at Like, those... if we were to get tr- teleported through time now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I might actually do a little bit better, because you... I could I could hide. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I'm gonna show Scary. you... I'm gonna show you a picture I took of myself today. Look, Gene, I like coming over here and talking about comic books and stuff, but I don't know if I'm ready to see a dick pic right now, buddy. It is not a dick pic. No, I was just... That's really funny, though. Um, No, I just feel like it's going to be a dick pic. No, just the level of muscle that I have accumulated. Yeah, dude. You can see it in that picture. You can. You sure can. It is... uh, Yeah. Good for you, dude. It was... I was like... I wasn't meaning to be like, this is going to... I was trying to... Your head looks muscular. Thank you. Yeah. Have you been doing, like, head exercises? It's just... When you lose weight, your head just gets smaller. Yep. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it was cool to see. Um, it's not Silk Spectre, is it? And Night Owl. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was the. It was Sally. They, not, they, not Sally. No, but, uh, Jupiter. Yeah. That's the this the the daughter of Sally Jupiter. Cause Sally is the original, I believe. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, it showed him at the very end. Right. Yeah. They they adopt and, Clark. Yes. Yeah. Well, they. Well, they're given. They're going. Yeah, they're, they're given. given Clark, yeah, yeah. They ado- they they had a daughter. What happens they, to Mime and Marionette? I oh, well, they they have the daughter that that she's pregnant with, that's and like right. they're they're like, okay, well, we don't care about this kid anymore. Yeah, We're gonna pretty just, much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Because when just, when when Manhattan restores the timeline, they don't. They're still in search of like they're incarcerated, if you will. Yeah. yeah. But he changes that, so it's. As if they were like, yeah, they could still be looking for their son, but mm-hmm. they'll realize that they're pregnant with her daughter, so they're yeah. probably going to focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, definitely want to learn more about Clark's story arc. Yeah. I, I hope I hope they develop that. that, you know, because like a little there. fucking 
kid Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, he's got the he's got the symbol on his forehead. Yeah, it's it's like having um oh he has he has the hydrogen atom yeah. symbol. Tight. That's the last picture it shows him with that. Mm. Yeah, last the the the, the very the, last panel the punctuation of the story, if you will. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I'll have, again need to reread because I like as I think <laughs> about the whole story, like I just like am seeing yeah. random panels and pages like flutter through my well, and the fact is brain. that there are more panels in this than the prim that I can than most comics gen in general because mm-hmm. a lot of comics are more. I mean, there's one splash page which looks great. George Perez would be proud because. If you know anything about George Perez, he, uh, RIP, he passed away last year, but he was very well known for putting as many heroes as he could in one panel. Um, yeah, well, that's definitely the case here. I mean, yeah. it, like, talk about that, you know, the confrontation on Mars. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of that. As an overall complete story, mm-hmm. it was very well done. It was, and it, it was in a way that you don't have to you obviously for me who knows all these deep cuts and has been re spent the last like three years, especially just reading an insane amount of DC stuff mm-hmm. and events and everything else. I definitely picked up on more. Oh, but... I do have a question for you. Okay. What's going on with wonder woman? Why is she being held hostage by the Amazonians only to be like carted out for a specific thing and then brought back to Theramasia. Is that what it's, how, that's what it's called? Uh, Themyscira. Themyscira. Thank you. Um, I honestly don't know. Cause I haven't caught up on wonder woman as much. Okay. So I, I don't know. It just seemed weird and was, arbitrary, yeah. but like, yeah. I was like, there has to be some reason behind this. I, as far as like DC stuff, I only have a more pretentious knowledge of what's happened rebirth and forward. Cause I've, Okay. Really, I mean, read in depth through like up to New Fifty Two era, and I just recently finished that and read. Started reading a little bit of Rebirth, but it also started. I just I had read so much that I needed a break. So, yeah, that'll happen too. You like don't I, want to bring I, yourself out on a. I picked property. up these these two books probably two thousand twenty one, so it's been I've had them for two years and I just haven't read them. Okay, this, which is great because this my podcast Obsessive Comic Disorder. Mm-hmm has helped me get through a lot of my collection just from when people are on and they're like, Hey, either they're either like, I've read a few books, but I'm not sure what to read or they've never read anything at all. I can be like, okay, well let me look through my selection. And then I, what I like to do is ask what kind when you're re- when you're consuming media, whether it's a book, TV, even a video game or a movie, what's your favorite genre. And then I'm like, okay, and then they'll give me some different stuff, and I'm like, oh, well, this is something that either I own or I've heard about that I think they'll work really well for you. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's I think that that's – I thank you for bringing Descender yeah. to me for that reason. You were like, oh, I think you'll like this, and I did. Yeah. That's for sure. And, and then kind it's of – one of my like, favorite science fiction comics of all time. So. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's really well written. Like, Lemire does a, a great job with it, and it's made me want to read Sweet Tooth. Yeah. You know, and and that speaks to kind of what I was going to say, which is like, you know, being on OCD, it's rekindled an appreciation for graphic Mm -hmm. novels. And see, like Amanda doesn't get my wife doesn't get this. She's like, you have 30 books (laughs) that you haven't read yet. Yeah. When are you going to read these books? I'm like, I'm going to read them eventually. You know, like I'm just like right now I'm reading Frankenstein and Fight Club. Not that I'm doing a whole F themed thing. 
but you know like i, I i'll read multiple things in a actually, yeah i actually read fight club in one sitting on a day when i worked at a call center yeah you could do yeah i was tier two and, and that day was the day i got fired <laughs> no that was when no? i was no i was actually i was a tier a senior advisor tier two escalations at uh, apple at apple yeah and so what the fuck happened to that job gene it was outsourced, and they they purposely made it so they could pay you as little as possible. That sucks. Yeah, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, and so I because that sounds like a good job. You would think so, and people who work directly for Apple uh-huh. did get paid well. Yeah. They got paid probably ten dollars more an hour than we did. Mm. Oh, yeah. you were outsourced from we a outsourced. company. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. we were. Yeah, we were. We were just the scraps essentially. Mm. You know, we we I'm were sorry. Free. Yeah, it's fine. I need more time to do stand up. I mean, I, I, that was way before I started stand up. <laughs> that was like 10 years ago at this point. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I haven't worked it out for them in almost 10 years. Yeah. Cool. Well, now yeah. we can talk all sorts of shit about them. Yeah. Uh, and there's certain, unless that... they're hiring Apple. Yeah. If you're hiring, my boy here has experience, man. You should yeah, check him out. I don't know if I want to do that. No. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, mm. yeah, there we go. Shout out Chuck Palahniuk. Chuck Palahniuk, he's a interesting uh, guy. I've met him, and he's a little weird. Anyway, is that uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I heard he tried to get a bunch of other <laughs> stuff published before Fight Club, and they yeah. were like, "This is dumb. It's not like yeah. cool or whatever." Yeah, he was like, "Oh, you want something cool, you dickheads? Here's fucking Fight Club." Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, this is cool." Yeah, and he's like, "You're a fucking moron. Like, you think this is cool for the wrong reason?" Yeah, exactly. Um, well, a lot of people do that. Um, you know, with, with a lot of things, they, they misconstrue the meaning behind it. And there are a few meanings, you know, behind this too, yeah. but I feel somewhat like the, like Dr. Manhattan all of a sudden getting a consciousness thing. Yeah. You mean at the end when he mm-hmm. or, restores everybody? Yeah. And, and sort of, he's inspired by Superman to, yes. to do better. Right. Yeah. Superman doing what Superman do. Yeah, just being this shining beacon example of everything that's good and right. Well, and it's it's interesting because it is past the um, the more when he uh, became an international citizen essentially. Because uh, for the longest time it was truth, justice, in the American way, right? Right. Um, and sometime during the two thousand late like two thousand eleven or two thousand ten, I think it was right before the reboot happened he had this whole thing where he denounced his u.s citizenship as superman not as clark Kent, but as superman because it was the idea is like i want to you know help humanity not just the united states where which, was superman on 9 11 2001 uh jerking off clearly clearly yeah really screwed the pooch on that, that one that actually it's fascinating that actually makes me think of a really interesting comic that i have up there called ex machina yeah i see is, it which is about uh, the mayor of New York who used to be a superhero who has the ability to talk to technology because of an alien uh, like mark that was left on him, basically. Cool. And it has a whole thing like uh, one of the one of the reveals really early on. And this is this is a minor spoiler, but it's not like story breaking spoiler. You know? uh-huh. um, is he's like I, he's basically says something about how regret he has. And he's like. You know, if I was better, I could have saved both towers. And it actually shows one of the towers is still standing. So that guy's a better superhero than Superman, apparently. Wouldn't you just take the other tower down at that point? What do you mean? Two towers. Yeah. One of them is destroyed on 9-11. Yeah. But the other one is standing. Yeah. 
would you take that tower out too? Like as New York, you're like, I, okay, do we want to build another tower to match it so that it matches again, or do we want to take this tower down now? Well, do we leave it up by itself as I, a symbol? I feel like in this case, you leave it up, but also the both of those towers held a lot of important businesses. So interesting, you should mention that. So yeah. did Building Seven. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get into that? We're not. No, we're no, not. We're not no, here to run. No, we're not, not here to talk about the Jewish run cabal. <laughs> um, so, Gene, uh, are we hitting? Are we hitting the mic after this? Oh, uh, we can hit a mic. Yeah, it's, it is uh, Thursday. It there's is a Thursday. lot going on. Yeah, there's uh, Lolo. There's belly laughs. There's haymaker. Mm-hmm. There was Kelly's earlier in the day, but we, I mean, we talked our way through that. Talked our way through that. I might also have to work tonight, but we can try. Okay. Try. Well, that's all that anybody can expect from us. Yeah, we can try. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, The last thing I like to do here is what do you, would you say is the moral of the story? Yeah, I would say that the moral of the story of Doomsday Clock is that you should take your destiny into your own hands because otherwise it's going to be done for you yeah you know like and also like there is no one answer to the problem of life and and society like there is no dr manhattan yeah there are a few that are that are touched on but it's like what comes to mind also is you know like reagan's speech about how if there was a extraterrestrial aggressor it would bring all of us together Mm -hmm. i think that it's probably more likened to what happens in watchmen (laughs) and doomsday clock where people were like what the fuck you just get used to it eventually right yeah 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 whether it's being subjugated by our alien overlords or horrible trickle down late stage capitalism Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I mean, it, it is mainly allegorical of, like, the potential for where our society can go. Yeah. So that's that's what I gleam out of it. That's what you gleam out of it? How I, about you? I gleam that uh, if you ever want to just exist in the entire universe naked, uh, you got to be blue and have god powers. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? Uh, hung, but not overly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just like a good, moderate... Good. Superhero penis. Yeah, good. Good. good well, he's good. not. Is, is he a hero? He's 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 he's, uh, he's, he's kind of like omnipotent. So he's a little bit above that, you know. Sure. Yeah. Or outside of it. Yeah, outside of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's he's sort of in his own little realm of. Sure loves Mars. He does love Mars. Cool to see Martian Manhunter in there. Yeah, it that was, was great. Cool. I was I was I was like they better show him. Yeah. You know, if they're gonna go to Mars, they better show him. Yeah. John Jones. Shout out to John Jones' character, not mm-hmm. the. Uh, not the fighter, but well, also shout out, shout out to him. Shout out, yeah, yeah, phenomenal fighter, phenomenal fighter. But let's we're talking about the green guy in this case. True, yeah, very true. <laughs> uh, this was a fun crossover episode. It sure was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to uh, finishing Saga and getting that back to you. It is a beast. It is a beast, and it's a very good one. Indeed. You don't know something really insane? What? I read that entire book one day at a call center. One day. One day. Just one day. It is like, it's like over 600 pages. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a total of 48 issues, I believe. And I read that one day. Yikes. Well. It was a slow day. <laughs> that That is, uh, I, I'm sure, a stamp on your nerd passport. It's something. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a thing that happened. 
It is how you chose to spend a day. It is how it. It was a good day. Mm-hmm. It's a great book, great series, and I'm excited to read uh, the new volume that just recently came out. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Nice. Well, you'll have you have to tell me all about it because uh, there's a huge. Uh, I don't know if I can keep going a, on it. You got it, man. There's a huge change in the status quo that i don't want to reveal yeah no please don't yeah, yeah no i'm like that, right smack dab me, in the yeah. middle of this thing yeah exactly there's a huge change in the status quo that i'm interested to see what that means for the future of the series so yeah. nice yeah that's all i'm saying cool. um well i will take that into consideration <laughs> hey uh thanks for having me dude thanks for yeah thanks for uh coming on and uh it, i'm excited to see where uh, your your version of this episode is like versus mine. Yeah, fine. it'll just be an edited version of what we just did. Yeah. Well, you know, I I'm excited for that to see how you edit it. You know, it's gonna be a very very interesting time to see this or listen to this. I guess in this case. Anyways, thank you all yeah, for can, listening. Can I just get a quick "I love Hitler" from you? No. Oh, okay. No, I'm not, especially not to the fact since I'm bald. I'm definitely never gonna say that. Um, say what? Exactly. Damn. Say one indeed. So close. You know, if you ever get God powers, I uh, fuck it. Just do the exact same thing that that Doctor Mahan did. Just just screw with a bunch of timelines and see. What do whatever happens. you want. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want anyway. You know, just he wasn't even in our galaxy. Yeah. Like, all right, all right. Bye, everyone. Major thanks again to Gene for having me on Obsessive Comic Disorder. You should definitely follow the podcast on the socials, that's at Obsessive Comic Disorder, and make sure you follow at Gene DeWeber Comedy for Gene's comedy stuffs as well. The full-length interview I did with Gene drops on Friday, January 20th on Spotify, so check that out for like 20% more hot takes. Why don't we hear from a couple of sponsors before shifting into a universe of just facts about the Doomsday Clock series. Hey folks, this is Michael Phelps, host of Father's Favorites and the Comedy Open Mic at my father's place, conveniently located at 523 Southeast Grand Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Mic sign-ups are Fridays at 8.30 p.m. Come on by for some awesome breakfast food, great drinks, and the best comedians Portland and the Pacific Northwest has to offer. In the meantime, make sure you follow Science Factual on the socials. That's at Science Factual Pod, as well as Shady Pines Radio for amazing content 24 hours a day, 8 days a week. Download the app today wherever you procure your apps. Alrighty, let's start off with the origins of the namesake behind the series, the Doomsday Clock itself. The Doomsday Clock is a symbol that represents the likelihood of a man-made global catastrophe in the opinion of the members of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. Maintained since 1947, the clock is a metaphor for threats to humanity from unchecked scientific and technological advances. A hypothetical global catastrophe is represented by midnight on the clock, with the bulletin's opinion on how close the world is to one represented by a certain number of minutes or seconds to midnight addressed in January of each year. The main factors influencing the clock are nuclear risk and climate change. The Bulletin Science and Security Board monitors new developments in the life sciences and technology that can inflict irrevocable harm to humanity and the world at large. The clock's original setting in 1947 was 7 minutes to midnight. 
It has since been set backward 8 times and forward 16 times for a total of 24, the farthest from midnight being 17 minutes in 1991 and the nearest being 100 seconds from 2020 to present day. Now, regarding facts behind the comic book itself, it's really worth reading the story for plot points and tie-ins more so than listening to me make those connections for you or do like per-issue synopses. Notable connections in Doomsday Clock bring a lot of forgotten heroes and villains alike into the mix, and it gives everyone a bit of time in the spotlight while showcasing DC's vast array of characters while still hitting on the staples like Batman and Superman, of course. However, in the case of Firestorm, he's put front and center in one of the most surprising moments of the series. While you may remember Firestorm's origin as a result of an accident that fused Ronnie Raymond and Professor Martin Stein, Doomsday Clock turns that origin on its head. It was never an accident because Stein, as a member of the Department of Metahuman Affairs, manufactured it so he can learn about metahumans from the inside, setting off the whole Superman theory backstory which is a huge component of the Doomsday Clock series. A big talking point about Watchmen was how Adrian Veet put an end to Edward Blake, aka the comedian, by throwing him out the goddamn window. Yet in Doomsday Clock number 2, Blake pops out of nowhere and attacks Veet and Lex Luthor. In the subsequent issue, it's revealed that Dr. Manhattan saved Blake from his death in Watchmen and transported him to Metropolis. A lot of folks who are way more invested in the DC Universe than myself have mentioned how DC Rebirth doesn't discuss the Justice Society of America very much. Well, the answer is likely linked to the events of Doomsday Clock, as Dr. Manhattan messes around with several key moments in comic book history and changes the course of the DC Universe. It's revealed that Manhattan prevented Alan Scott from becoming the Green Lantern by pushing away the lantern moments before the infamous train wreck that occurs in his story arc. As a result, the JSA was removed from history altogether. So it's a lot like the butterfly effect, whereby one crucial event can cause massive ripples in another multiverse, which is a recurring theme throughout the series as well. Now, I was able to find a reading order list, which I will make available to anyone who wants to follow it, uh, that details the order in which one should read the vast array of supporting comic books and story arcs that lead or tie into the road to Doomsday. Up first, for supporting series, we have, of course, Watchmen, which is essential reading to even move forward with the rest of this list. Not only does it set the scene and context for the rest of what I'll call a saga, but it's just simply one of the best graphic novels of all time, so definitely read at least that before moving on to Doomsday Clock for general context. Outside of Watchmen, we have DC Rebirth number 1. The 80-page introduction to DC Rebirth revealed that elements of the Watchmen universe had impacted the DCU as a whole. This transition is slightly more exhilarating when you understand the New 52 era DC was moving away from, but it is also intended as a primer for the DC Rebirth era re-establishing classic continuity. A must-read whether you're interested in DC Rebirth in its entirety or just Doomsday Clock. Up next we have the Batman Flash series The Button. Uh, the four-issue crossover between Batman and The Flash is DC Rebirth's most deliberate prequel leading up to Doomsday Clock, with Bruce Wayne and Barry Allen investigating the mysterious appearance of the smiley face button in the Batcave. Those issues include Batman number 21, Flash number 21, Batman number 22, and, you guessed it, Flash number 22. Moving on to Superman Reborn, which plants the most deliberate connections between Superman and the Watchmen to date, uh, keep in mind that the Reborn crossover will make a good deal more sense for readers up to speed with the Rebirth runs of both Action Comics and Superman. 
As a standalone, Superman Reborn is an essential development in explaining how the DC Rebirth and the New 52 universes operate in the same space and the guiding hand that may be behind them. Wink wink. That series includes issues of Action Comics 973 and 974, Superman number 18, Action Comics 975, Superwoman number 8, Superman number 19, and then Action Comics number 976. Followed by that, we have Superman the Oz Effect, a collection of Action Comics numbers 985 to 992, then Detective Comics A Lonely Place of Living, followed by another collection of Detective Comics numbers 963 to 968, as well as Detective Comics Annual number 1, leading into Justice League of America Panic in the Microverse and Justice League of America number 17. From there, you can move into the direct reading order of issues number 1 through 12 of Doomsday Clock. And there you have it. By it, I mean a bunch of homework, but at least it's reading a bunch of super awesome comics. Maybe you can borrow some from Gene if you catch him out in the wild, or stop by your local comic book store and start working on this list. Either way, you're in for a rad time. For this week's water cooler facts, we're going to be taking a look at the theories pertaining to multiple universes and what all is going on there with all that. <sighs> and to help with all that, I turned to a great article by George F.R. Ellis, great name by the way, over at Scientific American for some insight into the topic. It reads in part, in the past decade, an extraordinary claim has captivated cosmologists, that the expanding universe we see around us is not the only one, that billions of other universes are out there too. There is not one universe, there is a multiverse. In Scientific American articles and books such as Brian Greene's The Hidden Reality, leading scientists have spoken of a super Copernican revolution. In this view, not only is our planet one among many, but even our entire universe is insignificant on the cosmic scale of things. It's just one of countless universes, each doing its own thing. As it turns out, the word multiverse has different meanings. Astronomers are able to see out to a distance of about 42 billion light years, our cosmic visual horizon, if you will. We have no reason to suspect the universe stops there, though. Beyond it could be many, even infinitely many, domains such like the one we see. Each has a different initial distribution of matter, but the same laws of physics operate in all. Nearly all cosmologists today accept this type of multiverse, which Max Tegmark calls Level 1. Yet some go further. They suggest completely different kinds of universes with different physics, different histories, maybe even different numbers of spatial dimensions. Most will be sterile, although some will be teeming with life. A chief proponent of this, quote, Level 2 multiverse is Alexander Vilenkin, who paints a dramatic picture of an infinite set of universes with an infinite number of galaxies, an infinite number of planets, and an infinite number of people with your name who are reading this article, or in this case, listening to me read it. Few dispute that space extends beyond our cosmic horizon and that many other domains lie beyond what we see. If this limited type of multiverse exists, we can extrapolate what we see to domains beyond the horizon, with more and more uncertainty as regards to the farther out regions. It is then easy to imagine more elaborate types of variation, including alternate physics, occurring out where we cannot see. But the trouble with this type of extrapolation, from the known to the unknown, is that no one can prove you wrong. 
How can scientists decide whether their picture of an unobservable region of space-time is a reasonable or an unreasonable extrapolation of what we see? Might other universes have different initial distributions of matter, or might they also have different values of fundamental physical constants, such as those that set the strength of nuclear forces? You could get either, depending on what you assume, of course. Proposed unified theories predict entities such as scalar fields, a hypothesized relative of other space-filling fields such as the magnetic field. Such fields could drive cosmic inflation and create universes ad infinitum. These theories are well-grounded theoretically, but the nature of the hypothesized fields is unknown, and experimentalists have yet to demonstrate their existence, let alone measure their supposed properties. All in all, the case for the multiverse is inconclusive. The basic reason is the extreme flexibility of the proposal. It is more a concept than a well-defined theory. Most proposals involve a patchwork of different ideas rather than a coherent whole. The contemplation of the multiverse is an excellent opportunity, though, to reflect on the nature of science and on the ultimate nature of existence. Why are we here? It leads to new and interesting insights, and so is a productive research program. In looking at this concept, we need an open mind, though not too open. It is a delicate path to tread. Parallel universes may or may not exist. The case is unproved. And we're just going to have to live with that uncertainty. Nothing's wrong with scientifically based philosophical speculation, which is what multiverse proposals are, but we should name it for what it is. Speculation. For now. I'd like to thank my sources for this week's episode, which include comicbookherald.com, reddit.com, comicbookresources.com, fandom.com, and of course, wikipedia.com, because if it's on Wikipedia, you know it was probably uploaded by Adrian Veet as part of some elaborate conspiracy involving elements both known and unknown. Next week's episode is a first for Science Factual, as I'll be exploring part one of a 12-part series that is set to take place throughout 2023 called Decade Dives. Each month we'll be reviewing the most popular science fiction throughout the ages, as well as some more obscure properties. For January, we'll be covering the earliest sci-fi through the 1910s, moving on to the Roaring Twenties in February, the Thirties in March, and so on and so forth through the rest of the year. Our guests for the first decade dive spanning from the earliest examples of science fiction leading up through the year 1919 is Tim James, certified human who will be traveling throughout the ages with us. Excellent! You can catch that episode airing Tuesday, January 24th from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. Download the Shady Pines Radio app for Android and iOS for 24-7 access 369 days a year to awesome content created by an amazing community of people. Support Shady Pines by donating to their Patreon page because you also get more rad swag and early ticket sales to events. Also, check out LaughsPDX.com for all things comedy here in Portland, Oregon. They have all open mics and shows listed with more content coming soon there, so make sure to bookmark that page for your direct line to all things funny in Portland. Until next time, folks, live long and prosper.